Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan Day. Today we're going to talk about employee engagement, what it is, why it's important, and some tips that might contribute to you feeling more engaged in your employment situation. So why am I taking us to the topic of employee engagement? Because it's a significant problem in many of our organizations. The Canada Human Resources Center's research indicates that only 25% of employees are engaged, with 60% not engaged and 15% actively disengaged. 75% of us who are not engaged in the work that we're doing. And 15% significantly disengaged? That's not good on so many levels. So what is employee engagement? One definition is that it's the level of commitment that we have towards our organizations. How the heck do you measure that? Well, there are measurement tools that are available in the marketplace where employees rate their work environments organizations hope to achieve employer of choice status. These are said to provide a good indicator as to whether employees in those organizations feel engaged in what they're doing and in the culture of those organizations. One of these is offered by consultant firm Aon Hewitt, who proposed that the primary behaviors of engaged employees are that they speak positively about the organization to coworkers, potential employees, and customers that they have a strong desire to be a member of the organization, and that they exert extra effort to contribute to their organization's success. I've also heard this called the stay, say, and thrive model. Another measurement model is offered by Gallup and involves what's known as the Q12, also formulated to measure employment and engagement. In this model, When employees respond positively to the Q12 questions, they've been empirically found to also be engaged. We're gonna dive deeper into those questions in just a moment. Being disengaged isn't good when you're an employee in the equation, but it's also not good for our organizations. Couple of statistics. In Gallup surveying, they discovered that increasing employee engagement reduces absenteeism. In fact, the study showed that highly engaged workplaces saw a 41% lower absenteeism rate. Hmm. There is an important financial component to this as well. Another study done by the government found that the impact of employee engagement on customer satisfaction 
was found to be a one-point increase in customer satisfaction for every two-point increase in employee engagement. And the customer satisfaction is directly linked to public trust and confidence in government in general. More good news. So there's lots of good reasons why getting those numbers up is a positive thing to do. But let's talk about you and what you might want to consider to get your level of engagement up. I want to introduce Maslow's hierarchy, if you don't know of this already. It's defined by Wikipedia as how humans intrinsically partake in behavioral motivation. Maslow used a triangle in his model, and he divided the triangle into a number of different segments, starting at the bottom with physiological or safety needs, and then as you progressed up the triangle, belonging and love, social needs or esteem, and self-actualization at the pinnacle as the pattern through which human motivations generally move, again, starting from the bottom. For motivation to rise within each stage, each next step, going further up the triangle, each earlier stage must be satisfied within the individual. So attainment of that fifth level, that of self-actualization, is apparently when we're our happiest, our most engaged. Let's go back to those Gallup questions. Question one, and before I go to the question, is one of the needs that we find at the bottom of the triangle. And as I progress up through the 12 questions, the Q12, the last questions are at the pinnacle, at self-actualization. So we're, we're right at the bottom with question one. So this is a basic human need. The question is, do you know what's expected of you at work? Think about it. Would your answer be yes or no to this question? When we don't understand what's expected of us, we have a hard time getting motivated to do our best. Clear expectations, being able to get clarification when instructions are confusing. You can begin to see the factors that need to be present for us to feel engaged in our work and our organizations. I remember how frustrated I was when I was trying my best, but I just never seemed to do what the boss expected of me. I finally had the courage to have that conversation with her. From that point forward, I shared back to her what I had understood on big projects anyways. Perhaps following up with an email outlining your, your understanding of a direction can be useful as well. I know it certainly improved my relationship with my boss. This is something you could try if you answered no to the question. How would you answer question two? Do you have the materials and equipment to do your work right? When we don't have the resources needed to be effective at the work we're doing, it is definitely a motivational downer. I just remember a decision being made to implement a new software system in one organization I worked at. Our department had no input into the software chosen. A decision was then made to go live before any of the modules that HR could have used were in place. And the money and time allocated to the project were spent before we, we really saw much of a difference for us. There's a huge amount of work and additional hours required of the team and not much additional benefit from the system that we'd had before. 
something we had fought really hard for was felt to have been an exercise in futility. And worse, where concerns were raised, we felt that they were not heard. I felt as a failure as a leader. I knew the impact that it was having on the team and there wasn't much I could do about it. It is important to at least attempt to use your voice if you don't have the materials and equipment to do your work right. When I was the boss, I really appreciated it when someone not only raised a problem, but had thought about potential solutions to the problem. This is something you might consider if you'd answered no to question two. Let's move to question three. At work, do you have the opportunity to do what you do best every day? I sure hope you answered yes. In both the recruitment and corporate culture overviews that I've provided as part of these podcast series, I've encouraged you to find the right fit for you, both in organization and in work that makes your eyes sparkle. When we have the opportunity to put our natural strengths to work, we can't help but be happier. If you're feeling bored or stymied, have you shared with your supervisor that you'd like to be considered for projects or growth opportunities? Is there another position you could aspire to that you could begin building your skills for? You might need to do this outside your current work at your cost. Your future is primarily your responsibility, not your employer's. It is wonderful when we're working with an employer interested in helping us progress, but we shouldn't expect it or depend on it. Things happen like COVID. Question four. In the last seven days, have you received recognition or praise for doing good work? Have you? Is there someone noticing your contribution? How does it make you feel? Are you taking the time to provide this to others that you work with? It just might make their day. You don't need to see some, to oversee someone to provide someone with praise or with gratitude. I just received an email from someone I worked with many years ago. I'd sent him a copy of my book, Leadership Inside Out, Affecting Change from Within, available on Amazon if you're interested. He has a friend who's not doing well, and he wrote to ask if I would send her a copy of the book, signed as a gift from him, because, well, it might just provide her with some ideas about moving forward in her life. You can imagine how his email made me feel like what I'm doing might be helping make a positive difference in this world of ours. Question five. Does your supervisor or someone at work seem to care about you as a person? I saw what a difference this makes in a recent interview. It was a coffee meeting type chat with a top candidate. I watched the senior managers share some personal information about themselves. We're in a COVID-restricted world, so our interviews are on Zoom. Dog barking initiated laughter and wonderful sharing about dogs and kids. The energy in the meeting changed instantaneously as we became human beings with full lives outside of our work. This is part of our need to belong and to feel cared for, and it is a significant motivational factor. Could you be doing this for someone else? Question six, is there someone at work who encourages your development? Hopefully this is a yes answer for you. If not, again, might you have a conversation with your boss about your interests, about your willingness to learn other things? And what initiative are you taking to show that you recognize your own part in ongoing growth? It was with considerable frustration that an HR department quit offering lunch and learn sessions due to poor attendance. The feedback we received was that staff didn't feel they should have to learn on their own time. And this was an organization that paid for any training that was deemed employment related. So the topics were not in that category. Don't let this kind of attitude be you. 
look for opportunities to learn. And if you're an overseer of people, encouraging that your team be lifelong learners and together seeking opportunities for this to happen is a really good thing and will assist with increasing that employment or engagement. Question seven, at work, do your opinions seem to count? Now, just stepping back a second, the Q12 questions at this point are starting to touch on going back to Maslow's hierarchy on the, psycho the, the psychological and the esteem needs that we have as human beings, which are also very, very important. So we're rising up the triangle at this point. So back to the question, do your opinions seem to count? We do tend to buy in when we feel that we have at least had a say or been able to provide some input and an opportunity to potentially influence what's going on. We know that it's usually the bosses making the decisions, but if you're like me, we still wanna be part of being considered in those wherever that's possible. When you're asked for your opinion and you have one, speak up. You won't get noticed if you don't. I've been to too many meetings and observed everyone being silent on the agenda items. The meeting felt like a waste of time. As a consultant, I've observed staff meetings where the same thing happened in the meeting. It was another thing again around the water cooler. This behavior is doing nothing to improve our work cultures or engagement. And yes, some of this is a result of opinions shared but never seeming to count. So some of it is deserved. As an example, employee opinion surveys conducted and then nothing being done with the results. That understandably leads to a why bother attitude and the feeling of flavor of the month. If this is your situation and you have honestly tried unsuccessfully, then is this the organization you really want to work within? Just asking. Let's move to question eight. Does the mission or purpose of your company make you feel that your job is important? Do you know what the mission or purpose of your company is? Working for a company with a clear mission and purpose is becoming increasingly important to job applicants and employees. People are looking for assurance that their efforts are contributing to something positive, to a better future, that they're doing no harm to the environment, that they're helping towards sustainability to a, a better world. And understanding the part that we each play in fulfilling that mission or purpose of our companies is a significant motivator. Are you laying bricks or are you helping build the next cathedral? Are you on the assembly line making bleach or are you helping ensure the safety and the health of others? Some of this is how we see ourselves in the work we do. I know that as a recruiter, more candidates are visibly excited about the potential of doing work that is going to make a positive difference, have a positive environmental impact, reduce our carbon footprint as examples. They want to know how they're contributing, what their job would contribute. They're asking questions about this in an interview. They're doing their own research on our organizations to find out what we stand for before they make their decision to apply, before they accept those job offers. Question nine, are your associates other employees committed to doing quality work. This is where the provision of feedback, bosses dealing with those not pulling their weight, not ignoring problems such as individuals who are always late, makes such a difference. 
The saying that we're only as strong as our weakest link is so true. When a team is all rowing in the same direction, it makes such a big difference. And that you're listening to this podcast, I suspect that you are at the front of the boat, doing all that you can to keep the team heading in the right direction, and that you're all contributing the best of your abilities. If you answered no, and I've been there, again, a conversation with your boss to indicate the impact that the situation is having on the team might just be the nudge that they need to address it. And if you're the one who might be procrastinating on dealing with a difficult situation, to borrow from Nike, just do it. If you're new to your role or uncertain about the how-to, there are resources out there, including me, I might be able to help. Question 10. You have a best friend at work. Someone to celebrate the successes with, to be able to chat with about the challenges. Talking about what's going on for you with someone you enjoy and can trust is a huge stress reliever. We spend so many hours at work. It's so much more fun when you're doing it with a friend or three or more. The teams I've loved best were those that felt more like family and that there was a genuine caring. We weren't just colleagues. And many of us have kept in touch over the years, long after we've left those organizations. I hope you were able to answer yes to question 10. Question 11. In the last six months, has someone at work talked to you about your progress? How are you doing? Do you know? Are you needing to make the assumption all as well because you haven't heard otherwise? I remember hearing from a friend, I must be doing okay. No one's told me otherwise. The sad thing is that the person was probably doing considerably more than okay, and equally, no one had told them. If you're a supervisor or manager or lead hand, people need to be told how they're doing. If you aren't a supervisor and you answered no, take the initiative and ask about your progress. Get that feedback. I once accomplished something that had been a huge stretch for me. When I met with my boss, after it was obvious he wasn't going to say anything, as I left, I stood in the door of his office, reached around, patted my back and said, good job, Susan. He smiled and agreed, yes, good job, Susan. And yes, you need to know that you're gonna be able to get away with that before doing it. I was smiling when I did it and I needed to make a point with him. Finally, question 12. And the last year, have you had opportunities to learn and to grow? Hopefully you said yes. If not, have you taken the initiative again to chat with your boss regarding your interests? If you've seen others being provided opportunities to learn and grow, that the lack has not been as a result of other things going on in your organization, and if this is important to you, you may need to consider other opportunities and it may be elsewhere. As an example, someone was working in an entry-level position and she attained her master's degree. She desperately wished to assume a more responsible job in HR, but just didn't have the experience that the position required. And at that time, we were just not in a position to be able to train up. She was a great employee, but I could see that she was becoming disengaged. I encouraged her to spread her wings and get the experience. Unfortunately, it needed to be elsewhere. She did. She quit and attained an HR job somewhere else where she could get the experience that, that would enable her to, to move forward. And she has continued to flourish. 
many organizations are not large enough to provide career paths for a full career within one organization. Engagement will sometimes require difficult decisions, that ones that will be worth it for you in the long run. There is a great deal that our organizations can do to assist in bringing those low engagement scores up. But there's even more that you, we, can do in taking care of us personally and our personal engagement. Don't be the victim. We spent too many of our years within those work environments. Make them really good ones. You have choice. Do what you can regarding what's in your personal control. If you oversee people, pay attention to the Q12 questions and consider how the employees who report to you might answer them. What might you be able to do differently or better that might increase those scores? And if you're looking for ideas, I unashamedly promote my book, Leadership Inside Out, Effecting Change from Within, as a go-to for ideas to consider if you're disengaged and wanting to live differently. Next week, we're going to be welcoming a guest as we continue with our current theme, that of employee engagement. We're going to chat with someone who's experienced both becoming disengaged in work and the opposite, and what those look like, and what she was able to do to boost her own feeling of engagement and more. I know that you'll enjoy her insights and the ideas that she brings to the topic. I do hope that you'll join us again next week. In the meantime, I continue to encourage you to, you guessed it, dare to soar. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me today. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.